Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. So welcome everybody back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited to be home, as most of you know, because I've told it everywhere I can possibly tell it, that I just got back from the Wild Goose Festival in Hot Springs, North Carolina, and I am so excited I went. It was the best, best experience uh, that I've had in quite a while, and I'm so excited to go back next year, although maybe less so because this year it was postponed until September. It's usually in July. So I'm not really sure how this girl who hates the heat is going to make that happen, but I, it's important enough to me that I'm going to make it happen. Um, And I'm also really excited that the people that I met there, all the different podcasters that I met and, and their amazing shows um, that they have, it's just, I want you to, when I finally post everything that I need to post about it, I want you to go check out their podcast too, because I mean, we've got everything from pulp, uh, pulpit fiction to Bible bitches. And I'm telling you, they, they all have something relevant to say, and I'm just so excited to have met such great people. So today I'm glad to be back in my little, you know, earpiece and, and my microphone. And I've got a wonderful guest that I want to share with you today. We are here today with Mike Shore, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about Mike. So he grew up Presbyterian and attended an evangelical church in college, and that's where he first learned about something called the ex-gay ministries and Exodus. Now, um, there was a show that was that was done. It was a documentary on Netflix called Pray the Gay Away. Is it called Pray the Gay Away or Pray Away? I think it was called Pray the Pray Gay Away. Pray away. Okay, pray away. Um, And they told a whole bunch about Exodus and the ex-gay ministry, but I'm so excited to be able to uh, have Mark on the show and give us his his own personal account of how that all went. And um, he did get married because one of the things that they say is if you haven't acted on your same-sex attraction, then it isn't an issue, and you just need to find one woman you love. Well, he did. He found somebody, and as loving people, we can can love people. Um, And he got married so uh and he had some kids and i'll have him tell whatever part about that he wants to tell but as many of us who tried to live a life that's not authentic depression and suicide thoughts became stronger and mark finally realized that it was all just you know not his authentic self it wasn't his truth so there's so much of that that i don't want to talk about i definitely want it to come out of his words but he is now happily married and he is living on a farm and I've seen pictures and it's just amazing. It's just an amazing space. And he has such wisdom to share with us today that I don't want to spend any of his time. And I've already told him that if we can't get it all in, in this one hour podcast or one hour and whatever it is that we'll do, then he'll just come back. I have no problem with that. So welcome to the gay with God podcast, Mark. Uh, It's great to be with you. I appreciate that. So tell us your story. Sure. Um, it, you know, I, uh, I'm older now than probably some of your other guests, but uh, uh, I, um, I grew up in North Carolina, uh, a, a very normal home, uh, 
Both of my parents uh, worked. My mother was a librarian. My father was an insurance. I have one older sister. Um, I never heard strife or arguing in the household. Um, everything just seemed perfect. Um, and it really was a, a wonderful place to grow up um, in North Carolina. And uh, I grew up in Durham, went mm -hmm. to a Presbyterian church there as a family. Um, in fact, my uh, parents were kind of founding members of the, of the Presbyterian church that we went to. And uh, I was involved in, in everything from scouting to eventually being a deacon when I was uh, a senior wow. in high school. Okay. Wow. So, so faith was a really important part to your family. And, and when you were going to church, was, was there any kind of comments made in youth group or, or it, through the sermons that would lend itself to what homosexuality is? And was it accepted? Was it not accepted in the, in your, your church? You know, I don't, honestly, I don't know. My church um, seemed to be very accepting and, and it wasn't an issue that was raised in, in the church mm -hmm. when I was there. And so we didn't talk about it. Um, it may or may not have been an issue. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that, you know, um, uh, if you think about what was transpiring in the late seventies and early eighties in terms of the awareness of AIDS yeah. Um, conversations on the public level that were about um, people being gay and it was the cause of AIDS. And, you know, it was a very tense time for anybody that was um, was gay. Yeah. And so um, for me, um, my awareness was really later in life. I was about 14, I think, when I first started having thoughts and wondering if that was the case for me. Okay. Um, and so I consider that a little later. I know friends that I have say four, five, six, um, but I was 14. I, I, I'm a procrastinator in all things. And maybe that was where that came from as well. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, that's, that's kind of my story. It was really the church um, environment that I got involved with in college um, that, that kind of led me. I found a very dynamic evangelical church um, when I was in college. Um, and, and that's really where I was exposed to uh, the Exodus ministry, some of the, the materials that were there in the back lobby of the church that I was picking up to read about, you know, how to get out of, how to not be gay, you know, mm. um, that it wasn't God's plan for you. And, and that's really where that seed got planted with, um, with me in the church environment that said, this is wrong. We have programs to fix you. Uh, <laughs> it's wrong and we have programs to fix you. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty telling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, so just so you know, you beat me, I, I could not come into my full authentic self until I was 30. So, um, yeah. Uh, and that's okay. On some respect, it's, um, I don't like it because I, I missed out a lot on a lot of things. You know, I missed out, out on people that I could have known and yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, so, so 14 is not too shabby, my friend, not too shabby, <laughs> but that message that well, we have to be fixed. That's, that's kind of a big one. It's a tough one. And, and it really becomes embedded in you. And it did in me um, in particular, when you're involved with your church, um, um, you know, what I would say is that even, um, I didn't act on my, uh, my sexual desires at all uh -huh. um, while I was single. Uh -huh. And, um, and so this, this thought process of you are, uh, if you just find one woman that you love, uh -huh. um, that this is something you work on. Um, uh -huh. And, and 
it's it's like gossip. You work on that, right? If you have yeah. a problem with that, so it, <laughs> right. it just was. It, you know, it didn't seem a big issue for me in getting married, um, having children. Um, we were all involved with um, evangelical churches um, while I was married and supportive of, um, you know, those ministries. But all the time I had that secret that I was dealing with. Um, mm. And unfortunately, some of those pressures um, that I was keeping underneath were building up and causing some uh, some behaviors that I would say, you know, were were not positive Hmm. behaviors. But all that time, I felt God was still acting in my life and working through me. So, you know, if there's a word of encouragement that I would give to people. It is that, um, you know, if you sense that God is working in your life, that's evidence that you're accepted, um, yes. regardless of what you're being told otherwise, you know. Yes. Yes. So you, you mentioned in, in your bio about depression and suicidal thoughts. When did that start? Um, well, it, when, um, you know, it was, it was quite a shock to my wife and it was, she was deeply hurt when she found out that I was gay and, um, mm -hmm. and divorce was, was quick. Um, it was mm -hmm. a quick decision for her on that part. I know a lot of friends that stay in their marriages and fight to keep it together. Um, um, but ours ended quickly, um, not necessarily by choice, but I think it was probably the best thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I, had some depression from that. That was a tough mm -hmm. thing to swallow because your whole world is upended. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when your life is based in an evangelical church um, that would never accept this, um, mm -hmm. you really have to change a lot of things. Um, I worried about the workplace, um, finding out um, mm -hmm. that that was the reason for the divorce um, and just a lot of general depression about that. But at the same time, I thought, well, this is the, this is when I have to prove that I, can be fixed. Mm. And so during that time of the divorce, I also entered into some pretty extensive um, uh, conversion therapy programs um, and spent about five years um, with some programs um, uh, where I was totally immersed in the conversion therapy programs. And I look back and see that while I learned a lot of things about myself, there were some positives in it. Um, it was extremely uh, it caused a lot of the depression, I think, you know, when you're being told you have to fix yourself, there's something wrong mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. um, here's the, here's some ways to do it. Um, ultimately, it, it just really is, is very defeating. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I hit some very low points during that, that time of the conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. So how did, so growing up, I had heard these words, conversion therapy, and I thought it was uh, similar to shock therapy. Like they would try to shock you when you had a thought and they'd put you in front of a screen. And I think some of that was done in the more extreme cases um, in, in some therapies where they would give you pain when they knew that you were thinking something that was sexual, uh, you know, if they sh flashed a picture of same sex, something on television and your body reacted to it, then you would get a shock. So is that what happened with the Exodus program or was it different than that? So the program I ended up in was not a, an Exodus program, but okay. you know, I had been involved with uh, and, and read a lot of the literature over the years from uh, from Exodus and knew people within that that continued in the program I was in. Um, I was in a program that was based out of Virginia that primarily held weekend retreats for men you know, to come together, um, led by some, uh, I would say, semi-professional 
there may have been a few licensed therapists there, but for the most part, some of the, the theories um, were a combination of, of faith and, 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 and licensed therapists putting things together that uh, had a lot of flaws in it, if, if you were to ask me. Um, it, it, um, what happened, though, is you find a support group. And so um, for me, losing the churches that I had been in, um, suddenly I have a support group of, of men that I could you know, talk to uh -huh. what was going on. Um, so that was a positive, but mm -hmm. overall, that continuing message of you're flawed and here's mm -hmm. how to fix it and here's how to get through it and here's a coping mechanism, mm -hmm. um, all of that eventually led me to believe that, you know, this is, I have done everything I possibly can. If God wanted to change me, he would have, and mm -hmm. it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so I began to accept myself. I began to love myself more. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really stepping out of that program was, was life-changing for me. Yeah. Um, and as I stepped out after about five years, um, I had a couple of dates. Um, <laughs> the first four or five were horrible. And the fifth, fifth one turned out to be the man I married. And, um, and he has been incredibly supportive. We got married in 2019 Aww. and, uh, I, I couldn't be happier now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get through those dark times with depression and, and suicidal thoughts? What, what kept you from, from going to that side? Yeah. Um, I had a few people that I could reach out to and just say, this mm -hmm. is you know really dark. I need to talk. But one of the things that, that helped me through it was if I was having a hard time, I thought maybe somebody else I know is. Mm. And so I would change my mindset by sitting down and sending words of encouragement or scripture verses to somebody else that I thought might be having a hard time. It was just, it was a simple way for me to kind of shift the way I was thinking and get, get away from that, you know, that dark period. I, I will say too, that I, you know, I hired a professional therapist and, mm -hmm. um, and I looked for someone who was um, a licensed and trained therapist first, someone yeah. who had a Christian perspective second mm -hmm. um, and someone who was, at least accepting of the LGBT community. They didn't have to be gay themselves, um, but they had to be accepting of that. And so I found a therapist that helped me through quite a bit and, and really encouraged people. If mm -hmm. you're struggling with anything, it's, mm -hmm. you know, reach out. There are some really super well-trained people that can help you through processing that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's so sad that, that we're not there yet, that you can't just get a Christian therapist and know you're going to be surrounded by love and openness <laughs> because it's not going to be that way right now. And if, if they, if they claim Christianity, they may be open, they may not be open. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you shopped around and you found what you needed for sure. So, yeah. so with all of, with all of us that, that have, have shared our story so, so far, most of the time there's some kind of tension in the family and, you know, being raised in some churches are harder than others when it comes to telling your parents or, you know, getting support from your family. So what was that journey like for you to come out um, to your family? Well, it's, yeah, it's mixed. Um, you know, my, uh, clearly, um, my, my, my children, um, I have two daughters that, um, have cut off communication and I have two sons where the communication is very strained. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, a, that's hard for me on a daily basis. Um, cause I want to be in touch with them. I want them to yeah. learn from my life experiences. Um, you know, not just about being gay, but just 
as a father. And, uh, you know, I want to share that with them. I want to share yeah. life with them. So that's hard on the yeah. positive note. You know, I have a mother that's 92. She's the daughter of a Baptist minister. And I thought, oh, this is going to be hard for her. Now she had a sharp learning curve and she asked a lot of questions, but um, I, she's probably the most, you know, amazing that, that, you know, she was able to pull together the fact that I was suddenly happy. She could see the difference. Um, and I would say the same with my sister. They were very supportive. Um, my father passed away years ago, but the two of them have been just phenomenal supporters. Um, I'm not so sure they don't love my husband more than they love me. They, uh, they've embraced him and, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been wonderful to have that part. So yeah. you know, it's mixed. You're going to have those that, that, um, have a problem with it. And if they have a problem with it, they have a problem with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's their issue, not mine. Um, yeah. Part of my issue for being so late coming out, I think, is I'm, I'm fairly, uh, much, a, uh, I'm a people pleaser and I want uh. people to be happy. And so I was worried that that, that that truth may not make them happy. And mm -hmm. that's not the way to live. You have to live your truth. And, uh, and so I've learned to do that in the last couple of years and it's, it's been mm -hmm. freeing and, um, allowed me to love God more, I think too. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that to love God more because I, for me, you know, I wasn't able to even say the word God for so long because I, every time I used the word, it was more of the abomination feeling I got and that I was somehow disconnected. So finding that, that journey back to, to who is God really, and what stories have I been told that weren't true about God's love for me. Um, and even the other day, someone was saying to me, well, you know, that you are, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. And I could still feel that like, Oh, I, I don't know if I can wholly let that in. I know I have let it in some, but you know, you take so long to push it back because you don't want to be hurt by it. So you decide that I don't need it. You know, if I'm going to be hurt by it, I don't need it. So um, that's a, yeah. that's a very uh, different journey for all of us. I think is to find that, that acceptance again through um, God. And then sometimes just through churches that we can find that are open and affirming. Um, so, so one of the questions that popped up for me is that when you were, when you were dealing with all of the, the coming out um, and, and your family was, was having a hard time, how did you sustain yourself during that? Because when your children basically stop communicating with you, I know it's their problem and not yours, but it, it clearly affects you. So do you, if, are you staying in touch with them, even though they're not talking to you or do you just let it ride? No, I do my best to communicate and to reach yeah. out. Um, and I just had to come to accept that sometimes I may not get a response. Right. Um, that's, and that's okay. Um, you know, it's, it really, it'll take them some time, I hope, um, you know, and, and I just have to wait, I have to be patient and trust God that he's taking care of that. And, and in his time, um, I hope that the relationships will be restored. Yeah, um, it is extremely difficult. Mm. Um, I, I will, I will say that, um, mm. you know, there, there are nights when I wake up in the middle of the night, and that's what causes me not to be able to go to the back to sleep. So yeah, mm. I struggle with that. But um, mm -hmm. I can't not live my life um, based on other people. And I, I did that for so many years. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I still have great respect for others. But, you know, there's mm -hmm. a verse in Matthew where, um, where Jesus says the greatest um, 
you know, keeping the laws to love your Lord, the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul and mind. And the second is, is like that. The second commandment is like that is to, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, yes. if you don't love yourself, how do you love your neighbor? And if you don't love yourself, how do you love God? And yes. I, it, that's just kind of, I know it may be very simplistic, but um, you know, I think that that's been a huge relief for me is I find myself, I can love my neighbors. I can love God more because I actually love myself now. Um, mm. Having, having, um, told the truth and having found um, my authentic self, as we mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that God worked through me when I thought I wasn't acceptable. And so he can surely work through me now that I have accepted myself. So, um, mm. you know, I don't think he ever didn't accept me. Right. Right. So that clip that you sent me, um, uh, inheritance. Yes. Tell me, tell me where that that came from. Well, it was interesting. Um, I was on a business trip and walked into a a Christian bookstore. And I just, I said to the lady behind the counter, I said, I need, I want to get a CD of something that's going to encourage me and told her a little bit about where I was, not in great detail. And she Mm -hmm. recommended somebody that I'd never heard of. Um, And so I took the CD home and, um, and there was this one clip where during the song, there's kind of a prophetic prayer. Um, and it became something that I kind of singled out. And during the darkest days, um, I would listen to it in the morning. And, mm. um, you know, the premise of it is, um, you know, loving yourself and, mm-hmm. um, and that you are the beloved of God. And really to hear that in the morning before I stepped out the door probably kept me going um, in some of the dark days um, mm-hmm. following my divorce during the conversion therapy itself. Um, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, it, uh, the artist's name was Jonathan David Hels- Helser, uh, I think. And, uh, and then the spokesperson, um, the clip was called Inheritance on, on, the, uh, on the CD. Uh, but it really did help me get through um, some dark days. Um, and I look at that as kind of a gift from God, even, you know, yeah. the clerk at the Christian bookstore handed, and, you know, was steering me in the right direction through, through God's work. So there you go. Yeah. 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 Don't ever discount what God can do through you, but you may not even, even be aware of it, but, <laughs> but surely if somebody needs to get a message from God, we're all, we're all vessels for sure. I think. Yeah. yeah. So what happened with the church that you were going to at the time? You know, it was interesting. It was supportive of you know, they were aware that I was involved with um, a couple of different ministries that were um, supportive of kind of the whole being, but not necessarily, you know, but still acknowledging what was called the same sex attraction, which is kind mm-hmm. of evangelical code for, you know, you're, you're working on your issue. Um, but, you know, it would not have embraced me coming out the church that I was attending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to shift gears and, um, mm-hmm. and part of that led me to, to deconstruct a little bit of my faith because it, um, when you build a cornerstone of your faith kind of on the experiences of, of the evangelical church, you realize there are things that you have to pull apart to find what is it that's based on the life of Jesus and who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the church culture. Mm. Um, and so uh, you'll hear people talk about deconstructing their faith, and it really is kind of pulling apart the, 
the pieces that that aren't relevant um, or that may have skewed your thinking um, and maybe more culture than it is about the work of Jesus and, and you know, what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I found myself moving more towards liturgical churches and, mm-hmm. and those experiences. Um, the Episcopal church has been really good for that um, mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then really spending more time just um trying to be focused in quiet times um, and listening, um, meditative. I think I've, I told you that I've done some things here on the farm. I built a labyrinth last year. Which tell them, tell everybody about that. Tell them how big it or, is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 35 feet across. I'm clearly the only farmer in the county that put rocks in his field. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's just a nice, quiet place to go. And um, I think my mind gets easily distracted. And so the, the, the action of moving towards the center and letting go of things. And Mm. then as you come out, you kind of claim the things that you want to do or, you know, want God's help doing. And so it's just a nice way for me to slow down um, Mm. and, and, you know, experience nature. I can hear the river in the background. It's, it's just a very, a very peaceful place for me to meditate. So, Mm. and part Mm. of the therapy was building it. So, you know, that was fun too. We all are searching, really, and deconstructing. I, I, I heard a lot about deconstructing at the Wild Goose Festival, too. And, and one of the things that I do in my coaching practice is, is I, I take people through the four C's of transformation, which is to, to challenge what's in your life that's not working for you. Not that it's right or wrong, but what's not working for you any longer. And then once you challenge that, to be able to, to choose something that is going to uplift you and be be something more authentic that you can live with. And so you challenge it, you change it, and you've got to claim it. You know, you have to at some point claim it and and be able to look at something different. Um, And if you don't know how to go through all of that, you know, you get stuck along the way and you take it from other people, you know, as to what to do with your life instead of what you you and your authentic self and, and your relationship with God knows what to do. And I know I didn't go through all the four C's. I, I only did three, but it's okay. <laughs> That's part of the wild <laughs> goose fatigue talking. <laughs> sure. Uh, anyway, but, um, but I, I love your story because you have this thoughtfulness about your journey. You look at the parts that were really life-giving in the beginning, even though it might not have been totally authentic, there were so many things that were life-giving to you and things that you cherished about your relationship with your family and you cherished with, you know, with how you were serving God and how you did that. And, And being able to turn away from darkness when you were feeling suicidal and depressed and choose to, to give to others. There's nothing more Christian than that, you know, to be able to put others, you know, others needs in the focus. Not that we need to, you know, forget ourselves, but I think what you did was you, you recognize that that is a way to serve you too, that I will feel better when I'm serving others. So you're not diminishing your value. It's that you valued yourself enough not to go to the suicidal point, but to give to others. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite verses, and, and it's somewhat simplistic, is First um, Thessalonians five eleven, which you know says, you know, encourage one another, just as just as you're already doing, but just mm. encourage one another. And I think we forget to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have found that that is a huge um, way for my me to help myself 
um, is to try to encourage others uh, along their journey, wherever they may be. Um, so, yeah, Good. it's, um, you know, I look, I look for ways to, you know, look for ways to, to push through and, um, you know, that, that can be some, some techniques at home. And, uh, and again, I had, you know, some good therapists and, mm-hmm. and you don't have to stay with them forever. You can, mm-hmm. you know, pick somebody for a couple of months and mm-hmm. um, there's some, some good insight that you can gain on, uh, on just daily, daily living. Mm-hmm. And um, so if anybody is out there listening to this, that has had some dark thoughts, um, mm-hmm. I would really encourage them find somebody, a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As I said, I, I go with licensed first. And then <laughs> if you have a faith based, you know, then, then ask if they have a, you know, follow that faith part, but, um, and yeah. not, um, you know, because I think there is a science to, um, to mental health that, mm-hmm. that those folks that truly study the science can help people out. Um, and that's mm-hmm. a God given gift as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every way that we serve, if it's uplifting and in love, I think it is God given for sure. I, just talents in general. I mean, I think, you know, anyone who builds a building and there's, that's a way to serve people because somebody needs to use that building. And so I think we're all given the gifts that we need to uplift our part of the world in the way that, that we're gifted in. So, um, so, so let's talk a little bit about, because as I mean, your, your connection to the scripture is, is awesome. And your memory is awesome, by the way. (laughs) But those clobber verses that everyone talks about, I just had Reverend Mark Sandlin on last, um, last week, and he, you know, went through some verses a little bit. And he's done um, verses with me before at a on a radio show that I hosted for a while. But those verses that you find in the Bible that seem so black and white and so damning to us as far as, you know, the gay community, how, how did you unpack that? Um, what, what did, what did you do with those verses that seemed to be giving Christians, uh, permission to keep us in a sinful space? Sure. I, I think that if you think about there are seven, I think seven clobber verses that are mm-hmm. typically listed. Um, but if you focus on the verses about love in the Bible, um, if you, um, uh, taking care of your neighbor and, um, if you just look in context at how much wisdom there is, um, if you focus on the seven, yeah, that's what you're going to think about. Mm-hmm. So instead of focusing on the seven, I try to focus on the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, you know, uh, and, and, you know, those that use those against us, um, you know, I, I encourage some deeper insight into, you know, well, what were the original translations and what do, right. you know, what do the scholars say about those verses mm-hmm. um, in the context of, of the time period? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some very strong arguments about the way that they're interpreted nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, interestingly, you say this, but I had, um, I had someone come to the house to do some work and um, they realized that I was married to a man. And at the end of the time that they did the service work, they were going to share with me the clobber verses. Oh, wow. And they only really? remembered one. And so I actually, I was able, actually able to say, well, you need to look up the other six. And I said, and so there was this evolution into um, him kind of proposing some ex-gay ministries for me, all of which I knew, which I thought was kind of funny because if it had been my husband, 
he would not have had that experience to share. You know, that wasn't his experience. And so I mm-hmm. was able to kind of say, yeah, oh yeah, I tried that one. It didn't work. And here's why. And um, and so I felt like God put me, he felt like God put him in a place to tell me yep. you know, how I was going to get my life straight. And I, I felt like God put me there to, to tell him, I've tried all the things you're now suggesting. And I've read all the verses you're suggesting. And, you know, here's the result and here's what I believe. And mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of, kind of interesting because I felt like we both walked away thinking God probably used us in, in that moment. But uh, yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, yeah, I'd say I say focus on the you know focus yeah. on what is whatever is good and lovely instead of you know those things that are going to cause you duress or questioning mm-hmm. yourself. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think I think you'll see that God is much bigger than those seven verses. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that you know Mark's Mark's suggestion was that you know there's there's only seven how many verses are in the Bible, but these are the seven that people want right. to take out of context and, and use for their own good, instead of looking at, at what, what they really mean. So I thought that was, <laughs> I love that, you know, to focus on the love, because if, you know, if God is love, then there is a reason why there's only seven verses that may be used against gay people. But if you really break it down, it's really not about gay people and it's not about love and it's not about integrity and it's not about, you know, anything that Jesus was teaching because of all the things Jesus taught us that we're supposed to be paying attention to not one of the words about not being gay came out from Jesus. So, um, yeah, people need to just, we would like them to expand quicker than they are, but, but that may not happen. So, so what, what else about your story is, is relevant? Do you think to, to someone, because I, the reason that I started this podcast was because I was tired of people feeling like they needed to kill themselves because they couldn't reconcile being gay with God. And, um, and, and for my own journey, I mean, it was very evident that, that those verses, because I was, you're a people pleaser and I am too, to a lot of degree, but I'm also somebody that believes that without, um, because I knew I was different, I really didn't feel worthy enough to be a part of that community. Cause I knew there was something wrong with me according to how everybody else was perceiving things. And so without that worthiness, I felt like I had to do something to get saved. I had to, and not just like accept Jesus. I had to like be a super good Christian, which I think led me to India to test that calling because if I was walking the dusty roads of Damascus, then surely I was worthy enough to come into heaven. But so those verses to me were something that I had to fix you know, I had to find a way to fix that in me. Um, similar, I'm, I'm glad that the Exodus um, people never got a hold of me because I would have been, I would have probably been in worse shape because I would have been trying to do all that stuff and still failing. And that would have just made it worse. But, um, you know, I did enough of that trying to fix it. But, um, you know, I just don't understand why, you know, some of those things weren't so clear. But, um, I'm glad you put it into that perspective about the love and those verses. That was good. That was yeah. Good. I, um, you know, I, in the whole process, uh, there were probably about 15 books that I have read, mm. had read during the, you know, during those years. Cause I could read a book kind of behind the scenes without, you know, my wife knowing um, uh-huh. I wasn't necessarily able to an attend events, but during that, but so, 
conversion therapy is not just an event or a book. It is, it is the subtle thing that is said, you know, mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Um, one of the books that made a lot of, um, that was impactful to me was um, Boy Erased by um, mm. uh, Garrett Connolly. Mm-hmm. And there was a film uh, that came out a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to the screening of a film where he spoke and he was the first person that used the word survivor in a way that I had to tell myself, I, I actually am a survivor. You mm-hmm. know, this program could have mm-hmm. literally killed me. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the depths of, of depression that I went through, I, I attribute a lot of it to, um, to, to that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for him uh, to speak and say that it's, it's not just the big program, um, there's a lot of subtlety to what gets said in church and at your mm-hmm. dinner table and wherever it may be, mm-hmm. um, that many of us are survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to, uh, you know, take that into account and be thankful that we are and, and press through, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with God's help for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I feel like I'm in a, in a really good spot at this point in my life and yeah. um, I'm very happy about that. So, yeah. yeah. So what would be, um, I always, I always talk about one question at the very end that what is the one thing that you would share with someone who is struggling and, and you've, you've pretty much used, used this time to share it, you know, but, but, but if you were in, you know, in a, in a room with someone and you realized that they were really desperate and that they were really struggling of all the things that you've done and you've for yourself, what would you give to them? That one thing, if you could just put it in a sentence, because maybe sure. don't have time to tell them everything, but what, what do you think is the most important thing that you would have wanted to hear back in the day when you were struggling, maybe even before you got married, what would you want to, what would you have wanted to have said to you? Well, I think, that, you know, what I would say is that anybody that is anywhere on the LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, you know, that uniqueness in you is not a negative. It mm. is in fact a positive that God has given you something special. And so how do you take that uniqueness and what gifts are buried in that uniqueness that you could share with others? That's, mm. you know, I think we, we immediately think sometimes that that uniqueness is a negative and mm-hmm. it's really not. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so the encouragement that I would give is, you know, turn it around. If you're thinking it's a negative, it's, there's a positive side to this and, and look for that and, and enhance it and and live that out because that may in fact be the true gift that you've been given from God Mm. um, is that uniqueness. Um, I love that. I love that. Well, you are one special guy. You're one special guy. Well, I appreciate being here today. And Mm. I, you know, I, I'm glad I could share my story. It, it, um, you know, that's another thing, be able to share your stories. That's, yeah. If there's a healing thing that comes, it's to, it's to talk and mm-hmm. to share your stories with someone you trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, if you're keeping a secret, like I did for many mm. years, um, mm. the power of the secret goes away when you speak it out loud. Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. So do you ever share your farm with people? Um, do, do people come to the labyrinth or is that your gift to you? No, actually, um, it's funny that you say that we, um, uh, our farm is, you know, we've had people that come out and we'll 
set up a, a campfire down by the river and people will come and bring their family and just sit down there and we just let them do that. Uh-huh. Uh, we have goats on the farm. So um, we invite people to come out and just walk with the goats, which is always oh. fun, give them treats. Um, uh-huh. um, and that's always entertaining. Um, and people can come out and walk the labyrinth too. We've had several oh. folks that have just come out for that, but um, we had the opportunity to buy the house next door and Ooh. we are uh, probably in the next month or so being going to turn that into a, uh, an Airbnb Yeah, um, hope to be able to host folks here on site. Nice. So yeah, nice. looking forward to it. it's funny that you asked that question, but uh, yeah. yeah I, so I, when we finish this call, I'll be, I'll be going over to the house to work, uh, and get it ready for guests. <laughs> well, and if there's any link that you, I know you're going to share your Twitter link with, uh, with everyone, but if, if there's something else that, that you need to share in order to invite people there, um, you know, please feel free to yeah, do so. If you'll share this Twitter link, people can reach out to me. We're in okay. the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia near a town called Stanton. And okay. uh, it's beautiful up here. We'd love oh, to have guests. It is so. beautiful, people. I, I've, I've seen pictures. It's beautiful. Um, and I and Labyrinth, you know, walking the Labyrinth, I, I've done that many times. And the first time I did it, I thought, I don't get it. You know, I don't, I don't really even get what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you know, but, but I, I did it. And even though I wasn't sure about what I was supposed to be doing, I felt lighter by the time I got to the, to the center. And I also felt even more calm when I left. And then as I got more into my own meditation and, and, you know, being able to really, you know, get silent, um, it's even more meaningful. So I'm sure that, that what energy you've put into this one because it was a labor of love for you. And now it's a labor of love for others. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's experience is a little different, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a, a great place to, uh, yeah. to make sure I can quiet my mind on busy yeah. days. Yeah. Well, Mark, I appreciate you so much. And I, I really appreciate all the faith stories that come through this podcast because, you know, when we, t- like you said, when we tell our story, we become visible and, and we become uh, validated uh, as we stay together and we, and we walk this journey together. And, you know, it, it is, it is in our sharing of the story where other people can then see part of the light and decide to follow it and, and make their lives better too. So yay. Yay. You for being brave enough to do that. Now, when you have dinner parties, you say to all your friends, Hey, there's this, there's this woman named Midge and you really need to tell your story to her. <laughs> Always <laughs> welcoming all new guests. <laughs> so I want to, um, I can I, find I'm some just, for you. That's right. Find some for me. We need to keep this role going. At first, when I first started this, this podcast, I thought, wow, I'm getting lots of women to tell their stories. I wonder where the guys, and then I've had more guys coming up lately. So that's good. I, I want the balance. I want everybody to be. Well, I, do, <laughs> I do have one humorous thing to add. Uh, oh, good. So uh, I got married in the fall of 2019. Um, the minister that married me was um is an army chaplain who was also in the same conversion therapy program, a dropout like me. Um, but he's the one that married us. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, some of the other dropouts uh, yep. are, are now yep. my closest friends. So I'll have to send them your way for the podcast. Yeah, please do. I would love that. I would really, really love that because a lot of the people who have been on the show were my um, classmates from Berkshire Christian college. <laughs> When we were all there getting our BA in theology, and it's like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> we, 
I don't understand it, but we, we made it through it. <laughs> We're on the other side. So thank you for honoring us with your faith journey story. And I want to thank all my listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's in subscribing and sharing that we get our visibility um, out into the podcasting world. So please do that. And if you want to see more information and links to connect with Mark, uh, you'll go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and I'll have his Twitter connection there for you to see. And you you have to take a look at this picture that he sent me because uh, he did this. We didn't talk about the walk into the Grand Canyon, but it was a gorgeous picture. I've been there before and it's wonderful. So having said all that, if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. So thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community. And thanks for stopping by. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.